everybody. Welcome back. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And this is Premeditated. It's Premeditated, you guys. Whoa! You're in a show choir now. I had my first practice with my show choir last week, so my my confidence has been boosted immensely in my ability to sing. So I I am just going to put a stamp of approval on that because (laughs) any other answer would not be received well. So... (laughs) I'm, the no. show choir is so my jam. It's not even funny. Like these oh, people are, it's going to be so amazing. That is amazing. Are you guys going to have like a concert or anything? They're uh, all at old folks home. So you can come and hang I, out with a bunch of elderly folks. I will come. Yeah. I, and I will me you know. and the World War II vet will yeah. have some stories to trade. Because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, tell me more about World War II. Oh, you want to hear about my sexcapades? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if I must. Like, I got some good ones. I know. Oh, my God. Speaking of war wounds. So I butchered my heel with a callus planer. No, 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 no. Like yeah. the little cheese grater thing? Yeah. No. No, Kate. Why did you use that? I put, uh, well, because I'd done it before. Oh, Kate. That, no. And I oh, had no. only cut myself once before. Oh, but God. this time. That is literally a nightmare for me. It was uh, actually so bad that I... I bled all over my bath mats, which really pissed me off because I just washed them. <sighs> and then I, I, there, I have no problems with blood, but I was like, yeesh, that's a lot of blood. And <laughs> it bled like through five layers of band-aids no. and like, oh, it was so bad. And I was like, and I called Keith in because I was like, hey, look at this. Look what I did. And he was trying to help me with it. And he was like, well, I mean, I don't know if we should go to urgent care. And I was like, what can they fucking do? You can't put stitches in that. Like, yeah. And I was like, can we cauterize it? And he was like, because we would just watch House of Dragons. And he's like, what? Like, stick a fucking sword in the oven and then put it on your heel? Like, yes. Yes. I'll oh bite God. down on this stick. Hey, that's disgusting and repulsive. When was that? Uh, two days ago. Yeah. Is it better? Is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's better. Okay. Uh, yeah, last night actually, I was walking around. Um, I had a band aid on my heel, and I saw these little stamps of blood in our kitchen. And I was like, "Oh, oh shit, I my guess foot. my foot." Disgusting. It is disgusting. disgusting. The foot. The foot is really gonna. Yeah, oh just from those two stories alone, you can tell I've had a hell of a yeah. couple of weeks. And I just want to be honest about this. The reason that I we we didn't record last week is because my mental health was not in a great place. Um, I just gone to see my dad. Dickie Poo has dementia, and it's real, real hard to yep. see him like that. It was the first time I did. Uh, and coming back from that visit, I was just like depleted, like to- like I told you, like totally numb. And so I've been doing stupid shit the last couple of weeks, just like looking everywhere in the house, literally everywhere in the house, including the liquor cabinet and everywhere else, for a jar of peanut butter that was sitting on the counter. <sighs> So So that's where my head's been. So that's where my head's been. So last week I went to the cub food on Lindale and I'm like, oh, this one is so much nicer. I'm just going to go here from now on. And then I was reaching for some hand soap that was, (laughs) it was like a hand soap refill. Okay. And uh, it was in this carton, like a milk carton kind of looking thing. Okay. And it was very interesting, but I saw that it was, had a uh, coconut oil base and I was like, oh, that'd be really good for my dry ass, nasty hands. <laughs> and so I reached up to get it in this so-called nice cub and there was no lid on it and it poured all the way down my right side, all the way down into my shoe, my sandal, <laughs> and it was in my pockets. No, okay. So like this lady's trying to shoplift hand soap. Yeah, She's trying yeah, to just like pour, hand soap. pour it on myself. <laughs> so I walk up to this woman who works there and I said, excuse me. And, and she sees that I have soap <laughs> all over me. And I go, some jackass decided it would be real funny to take the lid off. Like it wasn't just like loosening the lid to smell it. It was like lid is gone. <laughs> and and she and I was like, and now I have soap all over me. So can you take this? Because I don't want someone else to experience this. And do you have any paper towel? Katie, she literally didn't say anything and she stood there with her mouth hanging open. And I was like, like yes, I have soap all over me, you dumb fuck. <laughs> Give me some paper towel. And she just goes, Oh. I'm sorry. And then takes the soap and then just walks away. And I was like, 
okay. So I go in the bathroom and I'm washing, like try washing yep. soap off yep. your body. Like, and I realized like, what, when it's like a what am I doing? Yeah. Like, you're just like, lathering. now I'm just lathering <laughs> up and there's so much of it. So much. So, and, uh, and so I just got, I was like, okay. And I looked around no paper towels because COVID has made it so that we all just use hand dryers. And Which so honestly are way worse. Are more disgusting. They're way worse. They just yes. blow all the germs everywhere. Yes. Ugh. And so, so I was like, fuck. And so I, I just thought, okay, well, this is where I'm at now. Like, I'm just, I'm going to, I had like more stuff to get and I just squished and squeaked around the store. And then when I checked out, oh oh, no, I checked out. I was not going to give up. I was like, I'm not fucking coming back here. So I better get this stuff right now. And I was like, no man, no, I've got six cases of sparkling water in here and I'm going to get them. Then when I checked out, I went out into a pouring rainstorm and I started to form bubbles underneath my feet. It, everything <laughs> smelled like lavender and I got home and You're I was like, walking so I am, I am. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that is my story. So, oh my God. Yeah. That would only happen to you. I yeah. Think. I did decide last night that you have to be the one. That if I disappear, you have to tell the police, no matter how much of my DNA they find in my house, I was a really clumsy person. Like, listen, I know there's blood of hers literally everywhere. (laughs) She cut her foot more times than I can. (laughs) She falls downstairs. She cut her nipple. I can't tell you how many ladders she's fallen on. I just don't trust her anymore on anything higher than three feet. Keith did not did not dismember yeah. her <laughs> not in this house no. like, it looks like it like i swear to no, god no, that's just her house i told keith i sneezed on my ipad so many times that i was like oh my god can you imagine if they took a black light to this house my dna is everywhere and it's not just like oh she lived here her hair is gonna be here i there was bloody footprint. yeah like dateline you see like oh there's like a spot of blood in the yeah. garage and it's like, like no Full on like crime scene yeah. blood everywhere. Like, yeah. like trust me, it's okay. Yeah, trust me. They're she like just blood everywhere. They're like, okay. ma'am, we know what you're saying, but yeah. no human could live after losing this yeah. much blood. No, like, no, 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 they no. could. They could. Have you ever? Have you ever skinned your foot? Yeah. Okay, let me just ask you that. <laughs> oh my god, so oh, awful. Huh. Yeah. Well, all that so, to say, sorry that we missed the past couple weeks, but Kate needed a breather. It's I been did. a hard couple weeks. Yep. And then she spilled soap on herself, which really made things worse. She, she called her soap foot. pockets. Yes. Yeah. We call her soap pockets McGee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been a bloody soapy mess. Yeah. So, but my brain's getting back to do a little yoga this morning. Took the dogs to the dog park and there weren't any incidents. So I'm getting back. Getting back. I'm getting back. She's back. And what's going to really bring her back is talking about murder. Tonight. It is true that I was really excited for yeah, tonight. I'm pumped. Because because it's, been, it's been a few weeks. It's been a few weeks. Yes, it has. And I need to hear about some murder. So what do you got for us tonight? I have the Oklahoma Girl Scout murder. God, yes! Yeah. I, I <laughs> like, I hate to say this. I... I know we've promised not to do kind of bigger cases, but this one is so fucking crazy. Yeah, it is. And it's so sad because it's kids. This one totally gets me. Yeah, this one just, you know, I felt like this deserved attention. And also, I watched this documentary on Hulu about a month ago. I started watching it after you posted on our Instagram. So... Is it just me or is Kristen Chenoweth not annoying in that? I feel like she was really trying to make it kind of about her. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. I could have been at that, yeah. at that camp, but I was sick and my mom wouldn't let me go. A hundred percent. That's how I felt. Like, why are you creating this very distant connection yeah. to be like, oh, I had this, it's, it's affected me my whole life. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. Like, no, this isn't about you, Kristen Chenoweth. It's about three little girls who were fucking murdered. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you just because you, like, may or have wanted seen to, one in, in the hallway. In the or, hallway. Or wanted or, to go to the camp. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. And then it also bothers me that she, like, went to her, her high school choir and was, like, directing them right. and, I like, la, 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 la. It was just so weird. I was like, like why? why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, this is not what this is about. It was, a, it was definitely, like, a weird integration of, like, 
Christian Chenoweth's life and a murder. But you should still watch it. It's a good documentary yeah. just for the, the crimes and it's heartbreaking to watch the families. Anyway, that's on Hulu. It's called Keeper of the Ashes. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Okay, so this takes place in 1977 and it's at Camp Scott, which uh, Camp Scott opened in 1928 for girls 10 to 18 years of age. And it was located uh, a few miles south of Locust Grove, Oklahoma. Okay. That is such an Oklahoma it town. It is, name. right? It's right. like Dust Bowl. Right. Like, totally. Locust yeah. Grove. Locust Grove. Like what a disgusting name really when you think about it. Like, uh, ew. No yeah. thanks. Moving on from the locusts. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a gross place. name. Okay. <laughs> it's gross. Change your name. Change God, your fucking name. Grove. God. So in 1977, Camp Scott was being run by the Magic Empire Girl Scout Council and had grown to include 10 campsites, a great hall, and a swimming pool. Situated within 410 acres on the left bank of Snake Creek, each campsite was placed near the main thoroughfare, the Cookie Trail. I think that's kind of cute. Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah. The sites were given Native American tribe names. Which is not okay. Yeah, right. Um, and consistent. Especially in Oklahoma. Yeah. Trail of Tears Central. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's all I could think of. Yeah. It's you're like, like, ooh. And consisted of canvas tents placed on wooden platforms. And the pictures of the tents are actually. They I, look I really like, cute. They look really cool. And those are like that sort of tent, like the safari tent. Yeah. Is so in right now. Like, oh, you know, oh, for glamping. All that stuff. Yeah. So it's like totally those sort of safari tents. Well, and that's another reason I wanted to do this case specifically is because it reminded me of a church camp that we went to I think two or three summers in a row yeah at Camp McCall and it was in McCall Idaho but it was very much like I when I was reading this book about this and then I was and then when I watched this documentary I was just imagining like it looking like Like oh yeah like walking down trails at night and like or Camp Elkanna was another one um for all of my um all of the listeners that I went to high school with. <laughs> um, yeah. Camp Elcano was another one we went to. Like it, it just, it made me think of that. Well, like, I think the thing about a case like this is that we can all relate. Like most people were in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts for some point in time or went camping when they were yeah, young and yeah. can absolutely relate to the fear of like, like when you're a kid, you're away from home, you're away from your parents and like all that shit. And you're like in the middle of the the forest, you know, in the dark. Yeah. It's fucking scary. Yeah. And like every, like I, I absolutely, when I'm thinking about this case, I absolutely think of Camp Tanaduna, which is the camp I went to as a Girl Scout. And like, just, yeah, I mean, we all experience something like this. And like for this to have happened to young girls is just horrifying. It's horrifying. I wasn't fancy enough to be in Girl Scouts. Really? Yeah. Oh. Actually, I think my mom just didn't want to deal with the meetings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fair. And she was a health nut. So maybe it was the cookies. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but now she's obsessed with crumble. So yes. Oh you my know God. What? Bobby joy. Crumble cookies. Circle of life. God. I mean, Damn. they are delicious. That little woman can put, she them, can back. put them away. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like we said, canvas tents placed on wooden platforms and they had like cots inside. Yep. So yeah, nothing will make you feel fatter than a cot. <laughs> that and my stepmom when I was visiting. I had a big dinner, okay? <laughs> all those s'mores. Don't judge me. You know how old people have those hutches with the glass fronts? Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. then they have like either figurines or dishes or something in there. And then you walk past like, one. <laughs> yes. My stepmom like Jurassic Park with the water. (laughs) Every time I walk past that goddamn punch, I'm something. I'm gonna break something. Yeah, and I'm like, Jesus, okay, I get it. I just want to stare at it and be like, "Fuck you, precious moments." Because she's got all these. This is a fucking precious moment. Precious moments. Goddamn precious moments. Figurines in there, and I'm like, and they rattle. Don't you judge me. You've been praying for a hundred years <laughs> and nothing's happened. Oh, oh anyway. So these three girls didn't really know each other, but they quickly became friends and were safely overseen by counselors who would have their own tent. Yeah. All the Girl Scouts uh, would find themselves new friends within their, they called it a tribe. Oh. Each campsite. So there's 10 campsites. Each campsite is a tribe. Okay. And like the picture of each of the campsites shows like it had like a kind of like a half circle of tents around like a central. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the counselors would have their own tent nearby. Sure. 
Um, and that's another tragic part of this. Like if you were a counselor, you know, those poor counselors. That, right. And yes. they were like at the, I think I remember like their tent was at the very, very opposite side. So yeah. it was like, again, it was like sort of a, I don't, not even Nobody a half circle, anything. like a crescent. Yeah. And like the counselors were at one side of the crescent and this, these kids were at the other side of the yeah. crescent. Yeah, exactly. Whose fucking case is this? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you <laughs> No, I, this is such a fascinating case to me. So I'll be like, and this, and this. No, I'm glad because I, it was a month ago that yeah. I watched that. So yeah. Uh, Kiowa camp, which was theirs, happened to be set furthest west and more isolated away from the trail than mm-hmm. the others. Mm-hmm. So that's just like what you were saying. Yeah. On June 12th, around 140 Girl Scouts departed from the Magic Empire Council building in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and headed to Camp Scott. Okay. So... Carlo Wilhite, she was 18 years old, Susan Ewing, 18 years old, and D. Elder, 20, were assigned as counselors to Kiowa camp and asked to look after 27 children. So that is a lot of kids. And 140 Girl Scouts. Yeah. That's a lot. And actually, I do believe that they interviewed D. Elder or one of the counselors. I want to say it was D for in, in this series. And it was heartbreaking, of course. Lori Lee Farmer, eight. Michelle Heather Goose, nine. And Doris Denise Milner, 10, were given tent eight. Within Kiowa camp, tent eight was then slightly apart. And the view from the counselor's tent was obscured by the shower block. So an actual building. Right. Yeah. So not smart. Yeah. Not Um, a good layout. But also... 1977. Right. They, didn't like, have, they didn't think they had anything to worry about. No. So they, you know, they couldn't see it. Uh, a thunderstorm hit the area that night and the girls spent time in their tents writing letters back home. Dear mom. Yeah. This place is hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid and going to camp, I was terrified of being away from my parents. Really? Yes. So in 98, I'm sure. Sh- sure people that are my age or around my age in Minnesota will like a hundred percent remember the two giant storms we had in 1998. Really? These huge storms. They were so bad. They're super scary, like tornadoes. And both times I was home by myself since I was, I was 10 years old. And so both of these times I was home like with my sisters but without my parents. And I got traumatized. Well, Nikki and Maddie are useless in that situation. <laughs> Come on. Anyone who knows well, them will be like them in an emergency. Like Maddie yeah. was just like, mm. yeah, Nikki, I can't actually really remember. Like I was obviously panicking because like, that's who I am. But I was like, I was so scared. I thought we were going to die. And so I, I refused to go to like stay away camp after that because I was so scared of, like, of dying in the storm. Oh my God. I know. I know. Like terrified storm. So anyway, but. Well, we're both that, middle children. We have that constant fear yeah, of, of dying and nobody anything. caring yeah. <laughs> or not noticing yeah. that we're not there anymore. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Nikki absolutely would. Maddie, for sure. Katie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We got plenty to move on. <laughs> so I never, but before that, I do remember like going away and, you know, you'd write letters and all that fun stuff. But you, this is probably, I think this is probably past when you would have watched, but there was a show, I think it was on Disney Channel. I was probably like 12 ish. You're watching called, Disney and I was watching yeah. VH1 Pop Video. <laughs> there was a show called Bug Juice and it was like a reality show of these kids that went to summer camp. Oh my God. It was amazing. Like I would watch reruns of it now. The drama, the excitement. Oh my God. I was so jealous of these kids that would go to camp like all summer and just like craziness. Oh, see, I, I was jealous of the all summer people. Like I thought that, I thought that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I I really enjoyed camp mainly because we had a lot of talent shows (laughs) and there was a lot of singing and a lot of showing up. Yeah. I was always the star. (laughs) Yeah. I I was always telling jokes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what show I love? Uh, White Hot American Summer. Oh my God. It's got Christopher Maloney. I mean, if you don't love Christopher Maloney, stop listening. Yeah. And get yourself over to your couch, watch some SVU. Get yourself to the doctor and get checked that you have a pulse. Because (laughs) Christopher Maloney is truly 
Oh my God. He's a gift from the heaven. He is. His ass alone is like, he's one of the only celebrities I've ever met in my life. And he was honest to God. What? I mean, of I, all people that I could just randomly run to, into in LA. You sent me that picture from the, the airport. My life. And I I pissed mm, my pants. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I could not. I was, I'm still speechless. Yeah, love. You I can't believe him. you met him. And he. <laughs> you said he was so nice. He was so nice. Like, how I was, like, starstruck. And he was, like, just. Didn't you tell adorable. him he was your first crush ever? No, like, I just, like, I literally jaw dropped to the floor yeah. when I saw him. I was, like. <gasps> Yeah. And he looked over at me and like made the same face. Cause he was like, <laughs> of course he did. He's Chris Maloney. Oh amazing. my God. I can just see him doing that. And I like turn around. I'm like, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, that's Christopher fucking Maloney. And I'm like, I need to go over and, oh. and get a picture and talk to him. I need to. He like, is amazing. And I love his character in White Hot American yeah, Summer. It's so good. Because that show is amazing. It is hilarious. It's so good. Oh, and the movie. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. Okay, let's get back uh, on track. Here. Yeah. Okay. Back to the sadness. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Bring it back. Take a deep breath. Wipe the smile comes, off your face. Because here, here comes the dark. Here comes the darkness. So yeah. So a thunderstorm hit the area, and the girls, like I said, they spent their time in their tents writing letters, and you can just imagine them with their those huge ass flashlights and like oh, they, and like the, the pens probably had like feathers on them. You know, like those oh! cute little pens. They like. You'd have when you they had like a Lisa Franklin. Yeah. Well, I guess it was more 80s, but, but still, yeah, it was like still... some cute stationery, I bet. Yes. And... Do you remember the note that Doris wrote home to yeah. her mom? Yeah, she she hated it. There. She like hated. She was like apparently like she did not want to go to camp that day. Yeah, and she like yeah she wasn't interested in going to camp that day. She she wrote to her mom. It was like I I don't want to be here. I'm not having fun. Please come get me. I, also, I can't remember where I heard if it was a podcast or if I read it. You know, and she also apparently like called the like got the counselor and told the counselor like I want to go home. Yeah, and the counselor was like, "We'll call. We'll call your mom tomorrow if you still feel that way." So that night that she was yeah. murdered. Yeah. She called, she like wanted to go home and like asked to call her mom. And they were like, it'll be fine. Just one more night. Like no, like not anything against the counselors. Cause that is absolutely your job as a counselor. So like, yeah. soothe kids who, yeah. are, who yeah. are stressed out and be like, hey, you're going to be fine. Cause they thought like, it's going to be fine tomorrow. You're going to like tonight, you're going to have a blast with your friends tomorrow. You're going to be just fine. You're not going to want to go home. So it's just like, just like tragic. Well, and I'm sure nowadays, like they, they would of course either have a phone. Yeah. Or right. Right. Or, right. They would let them call. But back then, like, it was, yeah, it was like, you it was 1977. I was born in 1981. Basically the same generation of parents is they're the walk it off mentality. Yep. Like, and there was no, like, they would have had to like literally walk to get yeah. to a phone. You know, they probably have to yeah. walk to like the main cabin or whatever. I don't know. But. I remember someone saying, I don't know if it was her mom. Someone that they interviewed in that series was like saying, I wonder if she had like some kind of foreboding feeling yeah. yep. Yep. that something was going to happen. Right. Yeah. The girls were in their tents and they were probably giggling. They yeah. were writing letters and there's a thunderstorm. So they're like probably screaming every time, you know, I yeah. still do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you do. I and do. You wet your pants. I do. Just, just a <laughs> just little. Just a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> At some time before 10 p.m., and again, this is on June 12th, 1977, the counselor of Comanche Camp, again, I apologize for the names of the camps, saw a light in the forest moving north towards Kiowa Camp, but she was not sure what it was. Mm. Then at 10 p.m., the counselor, D. Elder, made a tent check of Kiowa Camp and satisfied herself that everything was fine. Two hours later, at around midnight, Carla Wilhite escorted some of the girls from the toilets to their tents. Okay. So it sounds like they were just, you know, there was a ton of girls, it's like herding cats, you know, we're just trying to, you know, I don't blame anyone, like, because that had to have been a very hectic situation. Yeah. So the girls in tent six, another tent, were warned by Carla to stop making noise at 1.30 a.m. And Carla is one of the counselors. Yep, yep. And at the same time, she heard a strange sound coming from behind the tent. It was described as a low guttural sound, but she was not sure whether it was an animal or a human. Um, that just gave me chills yeah, right. when I read that. So mm-hmm. when she's shown her light in the direction of the noise, it stopped. She then returned to her tent to sleep. <sighs> So lots of points in time where in hindsight, you're it's like, you, there was something going there on, was something going on, but until you're in, in woods, until like, you're in that situation. Yeah. How many times have we been camping yeah, together? And, and like, like, what is that? What is that? Yeah. 
it's a bear or it's a dude moose you're the or, queen of what is oh, that yeah. oh absolutely you fucking let a moose <laughs> swim behind me in a lake at night it was a moose or a bear oh yeah. my god or kate <laughs> because yeah. just She's so swimming. our listeners know i am i have to go swimming when i get drunk i don't know why i do it every single time and <laughs> and so katie was down with me on the shores of lake superior and keith and a bunch of our other friends and i am swimming in the lake no one else is swimming and then when i get out dark it was it was night it It was was night it was like 10 or 11 o'clock yeah and then when i get out katie says oh yeah there was something really huge that swam right behind you and we all saw it but like none of us we all were like our is something like being like our our eyes playing tricks on us because it, it was far enough out but you know when you like when it's dark and you you when you look directly at something you can't see it you have to sort of look to the side to like get a, yeah. an idea of what it actually looks like and after that all of us were like we all saw something out there yeah. it was absolutely either a yeah. moose or a bear like swimming behind Kate but we were all like huh no yeah. I think it's fine <laughs> it's far enough away like, oh fucking thank God swimming. I yeah I, I just must have had an intuition I was just like and then I get back out of the water and we're like and, huh. And then I'm like telling you guys, oh, it was probably a beaver or something. And you're like, no, it's you were like, it was way bigger. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, why didn't you tell me? It was massive. (laughs) And then I just had to get me another drink. Uh, Yep. A hundred percent. I had to settle down. (laughs) Um, And I was barfing in the bathroom at the campground. And those girls were like, oh, somebody's in rough shape. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I'm dehydrated, bitches. (laughs) Yeah. I've been day drinking all day. You couldn't make it an hour. <laughs> and then you let me swim with yeah. a bear. Yeah. <laughs> that could have ended differently. And then we were all smoking down there too. Or yeah. We were all like smoking weed too. Yeah. 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 Good times. So that was, wow. Uh, so yeah, I can attest to the fact that if you hear growling, sometimes you don't do anything yeah. about it. Um, <laughs> you just never know until you're in this situation. You just okay? don't know. You just don't know. So the counselor went back to sleep. But she continued to hear the noise intermittently. Around 3 a.m., there were two reports of girls in other camps being woken by noises. One report is of a single scream, and the other is of a girl crying out for her mother. Jesus. Around the same time, someone was moving through Kiowa camp, reaching into tents and stealing items. So purses and several pairs of prescription glasses... The last story was from uh, from a surviving witness is from the girls in tent seven who said that their tent flap was pulled back and a man shone a light into their tent. Fuck that. After a few seconds, the flap was replaced and he moved on to tent eight. That guy is the fucking worst. Yeah. Carla Wilhites, again, the counselor, her alarm went off at 6 a.m. so that she could shower um, before all the girls woke up. So she headed east towards uh, another camp and the staff house. As she did so, she spotted something at the fork of the trail, initially thinking someone had dropped some of their kit or right. shower kit or whatever. She walked over to investigate. And these, you have to remember, though, that these counselors are kids, too. Right? They really like 15, are. They're children. Yeah. So it's like they're scared, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the thing about, like. I was a camp counselor. Like I, oh, I you get, were. I was absolutely a camp counselor, I, and not an overnight camp. It was only day camp. But I get like I, we were all kids. Like we were oh. all college kids. Like you know, I, like, when there were storms or when there was like serious yeah. stuff that happened, we were scared too. You know, I have no idea how I was put in charge of a vacation Bible school. Yeah. Like that is shocking. With my mouth, that like, is shocking. When 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 like younger than high school, like what were they thinking? Yeah, that oh. is crazy. Oh yeah, I am still surprised that I have not been brought up in someone's therapy session. You but probably I, have. You would have. Oh yeah, I wouldn't know. You're right. I wouldn't know. Like, how many therapy sessions do you think you've been brought up in? Oh my god, that would be very interesting to know. If only you could like. I just from work alone, probably like 30. Yeah, no, seriously. She made me cry. (laughs) She thinks she's funny and she's mean. Um, (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. You are funny. Yeah, I am funny. And I'm a little mean to dumb people. (laughs) So if you're listening to this and I've been mean to you, you probably aren't a fan of mine. Yeah. Because I think you're dumb. So. 
So she walked over to investigate. As she approached the bundle, she could suddenly make out the body of a lying there, face up and naked from the waist down. After realizing she had discovered a body, uh, Carla, the counselor, immediately woke up the other counselors, Dee and Susan. He, and again, these girls are 18, yeah. 18, 20 years old. Yeah. To help her check on the other children, Dee starts by checking tent eight, where she quickly discovered that all three girls were missing. Yeah. So Carla headed for the nurse's station. And as the nurse drives up to Kiawa camp, Carla heads to the director's house to inform the camp director, Barbara Day, of what they had found. On arriving at the body, so it's just this one body that they found so far. On arriving at the body, the the nurse checked for any signs of life, but it was clear the girl who was later identified as Doris Milner was dead. She had head injuries and her hands were tied behind her back. Mm -hmm. Richard Day, who's the husband of the director, Barbara Day, arrived on the scene and discovered the other two bodies in the sleeping bags. Were they close by? Remind me. Yeah, they were all in the same general area. Later, these would be confirmed as being Lori Farmer and Michelle Goose. Richard also takes another sleeping bag and pulls it over the naked lower half of Doris, just out of respect. Barbara Day calls Highway Patrol, and by 8 a.m. on the 13th of June, Sheriff Glenn... Weaver knew he would need the assistance of a larger force and requested help from the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, um, which is the OSBI. Yeah. Earlier in April 1977, during an on-site training session, a camp counselor discovered that her belongings had been ransacked and her donuts had been stolen. I would be pissed. I mean, don't you fucking steal my donuts. That is. Steal my purse. Steal Steal my my purse. Yeah. Do not steal my goddamn donuts. No, you can take anything you want. (laughs) But if you fucking touch my donuts. Eat my donuts. Give me all of those state fair donuts. Baker's yeah. wife shout out my absolute in the entire world. I will hound those state fair donuts. Like yeah. life depends on it. Yeah. And all the time ignoring the little voice in my head that says you were 40 years old. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't fucking care. I don't care. I'll I don't eat care. donuts till the day I die. I thank you. Yeah. Which will be sooner rather than later <laughs> yeah. if I keep doing it. If I keep eating as many donuts <laughs> as I do. So anyway, this lady's donuts. Her donuts got stolen. Which is bullshit. Which is bullshit. So that happened in April and the girls were murdered in June and there was a disturbing handwritten note stating in capital letters, we were on a mission to kill three girls in tent one. So uh, at the time, the director of that camp session treated the note as a prank and it was discarded. I I mean, nowadays you wouldn't, you wouldn't discard a note that said we were on a mission to kill three girls. Like, uh, I don't know. Highway Patrol Officer Harold Berry was the first law enforcement officer at the scene and found one set of boot prints leading from Kiowa Camp to the spot where the first body was. Uh, the general scene was not secured until much later. That was an issue uh, that came up later. Yeah. They um, did do, I would say, not the police, but I think like the documentary showed how the counselors did a fucking good job of mm-hmm. like making sure that none of the other kids saw this like traumatizing scene. And they got them on buses. Yeah. And yeah, they, again, they, for like a bunch of kids, essentially, they did a great job organizing and making sure that. So it appeared that the killer had approached from the rear of tent eight and unhooked the back flaps to gain entry. And Obviously, he chose tent eight because it was separated from the others. Yeah. Investigators believe that Lori and Michelle were both bludgeoned to death inside the tent, judging by blood spatter on the canvas walls and the wood floor. They were both sexually assaulted. Both of them. Ten years old. Fuck. I can't emphasize enough how depraved this is. Uh, The killer tried to clean up the blood using bed sheets, but one single boot print was left behind a size nine and a half. No fingerprints were found inside the tent. It's at night. Yeah. How do you do all of this and not really leave a a trace? Not leave much of a trace except for a single boot print. Yeah. Like, and that'll come into play later, as you know, but basically no evidence. Especially with how brutal the crimes were. Doris Milner had been bound and her mouth stuffed with a pre-made gag before being walked over to the area where the bodies were eventually found. She was sexually assaulted, bludgeoned, and strangled to death. Jesus Christ. Poor baby. So all three girls were sexually assaulted and bludgeoned. Doris was strangled. If I had not seen the documentary and I was just reading this, I would think that there were multiple attackers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's three children. Yeah. So you think like 
Okay, how are you going to keep all of them quiet? How are you going to make sure they're all complacent? Three little girls, three kids. You get little kids and you scare the shit out of them, and you tell them do whatever. If they they keep their mouth shut, you won't hurt their friends. Exactly. Yeah, the attacks had definitely been planned in advance. Uh, the gag on Doris was pre-sewn and the killer had also brought along nylon rope and duct tape for binding the victims. Semen was found on each body and a red flashlight was found next to them. A hair caught in the duct tape that did not belong to any of the girls was also located. The autopsy found that the weapons used were held in both the left and right hands. So ambidextrous. Yeah. It was also evident that more than one weapon was used in the bludgeoning and two different knots had been used in tying the girls. So again, is that evidence of a second killer? I don't know. Uh, The weapons themselves were never found. Did they know what they could be? Did they think it was rocks or like... Yeah, I seem to remember from the documentary that I think they did think it could be a rock. Okay. A rock or a brick or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I I don't have a hard time believing it's one just because I think that like with, with three little girls, like Yeah. I I there's the, a reason the he targeted God, a girl right. scout camp. I think that he put the fear of God in them by threatening them or telling them that he's gonna kill their families or whatever and they will be quiet and they will do what he says, you know. Oh God. Uh so the rope and tape had recently been stolen from a farm a mile from Camp Scott. The the farmer, Jack Schroff, had an alibi. And also passed a voluntary lie detector test. Uh, a fingerprint was found on the lens of a flashlight near the tent, but it was never identified. Also, I want to know what farmer just notices that rope and right. tape go missing. Like, you can steal so many things out of my garage and I'll be like, I literally will never know. Yeah, yeah. Like, never. I Rope I, and tape? Absolutely not. No. My car, maybe. Anything else? I mean. Very likely that I will never miss it. <laughs> I think the only thing I would notice is uh, I kept my Washington license plates. Yeah. And if someone took them, I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah. That's the only but thing. That's the only thing. I, might be like, oh, I had some badminton birdies and sensi bulbs yeah. go missing from my <laughs> junk drawer. Like what? Yeah. Right. I can't even find the spare keys right. to my uh, house. Now that you mention it, I am missing two screws. So. <laughs> like, come on. I, it's so hard to believe that. I spent an hour looking for a jar of peanut butter. Yeah, right. Like, like I'm not missing. I'm anything. not missing I'm not anything missing tape or rope. I guess like if it was like a giant thing of rope and like his only thing of tape. But even then, it'd be like I misplaced it. Obviously, dude. I went four days without my debit card the yeah. other like last week, and, <laughs> and there was like a span of there was this like a couple. It was like a couple months. Where I, I lost two debit cards. Oh, my God. Two debit cards. And after the second time, I, like, called and canceled it again. Or this time I put a hold on it because I was like, I'm going to see if I can figure this out. I just really use my brain. <laughs> like, think, 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 think. <laughs> and I came to the real. I'm like, I know the last place I used it was at Wendy's. And I'm like, I'm going to Wendy's. And I realized it's because at Wendy's. They give you your food before they give you your card back. What the yes. fuck? And so I just drove off. Yeah, that is so, not your fault. So I went. You got I, distracted by the Frosty. I like, you were like, I fucking no, no, no. And then you drove off. All I want is my Frosty. Okay? All I want is my fucking like, Frosty. I just want my Frosty. Do you know what it took I could just to get them like, out the window, like, miss. <laughs> <laughs> just sipping my Frosty. Like, have you ever dropped your card at a drive thru? <laughs> I have. Oh, that's the words. You're like, <laughs> I, can't try and I, just your at, I just looked at her like serious, intense eye contact. Like, and Caribou Coffee, reach like, which one of us is going to get it? Like, that's so yes. far for me, and I can't reach. It's like, farther for me. No, Keith had used my debit card to pay for gas, and he put my debit card in his pocket. And then I didn't even notice for four days. Like, you're like, and then it, at some point I was like, oh, yeah, it's not in there. I should probably find it. And then like two more days went by and I was like, oh, hey, by the way. Uh, yeah, so I went to Wendy's oh, to get my debit card. Yeah. And I go through and I'm like, hey, you got any cards for, you know, my name and give oh. my ID. Oh. And they hand me back two debit cards. The one that I had lost. Oh, <laughs> Dude, so I'm like Jesus, and I don't have Wendy's a problem. Like the two times I've been to Wendy's in the past year, 
I forgot my debit card. I personally think that's not your fault. And someone who is manning the window. Yeah, right. It's a flaw in the system. It is a flaw in the system. You give the card back and then you give the food because I'm so distracted. Like, I can't drive through because I'm starving and I need to eat. So you give me my food. I am going to immediately start eating. (laughs) This is not my fault. See, I can't do that. You can't start eating food. No, I won't eat. I will say, like, I will eat. I will start drinking my frosty, but I will wait till I get home. I don't eat. touch anything. Oh, I'll I'll do the frosty until the until I'm at home. Yeah, and it's in like, front of me, like, and Netflix is on. <laughs> like, I have to. I don't know why. I, I do have get this, un- I do get unnecessarily angry when I go to a fast food restaurant with someone, and we both order fries. And they start. That you know, makes me so mad. And like, how do you know which one is yours? We're gonna get home. Half of the fries are gone, and you're gonna want the full fry. Do you want to know? You how, take the half-eaten fry, bitch. You take that half-eaten fry. Do you want to know how many times we've ordered? We've got a McDonald's, or we've ordered a spicy chicken sandwich. This happened at Chick Fil A, also, uh, uh. or and a regular chicken sandwich because you know I can't do spicy. Yeah, no. And uh, Keith has literally. Finished, no, no. finished the sandwich before I've even started mine, and I've been and like, ate. and he ate mine. <laughs> and I go, oh, this is wait. I said, I, hold on, this one's spicy. And then I look over, and it's gone. And he just got like, <laughs> he's like, mayonnaise on his face. He's like, and he's like, God damn it, babe, I ate your sandwich. He's like, that's my fault, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I look the same. I'm like, God damn it, Keith, I'm hungry. And then he oh. always offers to give me. He's like, "We'll go back. We'll go back and get you." Say no, but you really are like, "You better fucking go back." We didn't like, go back. You're like, "No, it's fine." And like, I just you sit there all sad. I know. You're like, "If you don't go back, we're getting a divorce." Yeah, I'm make you feel bad about it. <laughs> I'm just eating my fries. Yeah, you're like, "This is my dinner." And then oh I'll say God. something like, "No, it's better that I don't have it anyway." Yeah. <laughs> Because you got to fish for compliments while you're at it. Like, you really got to get the whole thing. But I never get them. They'll be like, oh, okay. And I'll be like, what the I don't, I don't even know where, how we got here. I don't either. How, what was the last thing you talked about? Okay. I need to remember. Okay. 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 The rope and the tape. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what we were talking about. We you lost your debit card at Wendy's. Wendy's. Twice. <laughs> Fucking lady working in the drive-thru. She's out to get me. Either that or their food is like yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> I like you can't wait. Oh, oh my, god. my god. I'm sweating. Uh, I love so hard. Yeah. So this farmer was just like, oh yeah, rope and tape. Like that's what I'm missing. Sure, okay. And uh, they did find a fingerprint on the lens of the flashlight, but it was never identified because they didn't secure the crime scene right away. Like they were saying that this is like, this was another one of those issues is like, they just, there wasn't a lot of evidence to begin with, Sure, but anything that they could have found is gone. Right. Yeah. So the OSBI quickly eliminated all obvious males as suspects, including Richard Day, the camp director's husband. Okay. Jack Schroff, the farmer, okay. who somehow knows how much yeah, rope and tape right. exactly down to the number. Which he honestly has. is more concerning than the yeah. Like, that's yeah. just as concerning to me. You like, know? he's, like, measuring. He's like, you know what? I'm missing a three inches of rope and approximately <laughs> six of tape. Like, you fucking psycho. <laughs> he really cares about yes. rope and tape. <laughs> and there was a camp ranger. Ben Woodward. So they ruled out all those suspects. Okay. So Gene Leroy Hart, uh, he was 34 years old at the time of the murders. He'd been at large since 1973 after escaping from the Mays County Jail. Oh, cool. And Hart was raised about a mile from Camp Scott. And he was also Cherokee. He was Native American. In 1966, he abducted two pregnant women from outside a nightclub drove to a forest on the outskirts of Locust Grove, and he raped them. He had been convicted of kidnapping and the rape of the two women, as well as four counts of first-degree burglary. 1966, Oklahoma, he, you know, I want to say, like, okay, well, they proved that he did these crimes. Yeah. So part of me wants to say, like, well, is it that much of a stretch that he would do this? Right. Too? Like, if he's evil enough to rape two pregnant women, is yeah. he not evil enough to rape and murder three children? The women in that case were bound with duct tape and rope. So 
not this farmer's because yeah, he would have noticed. <laughs> but um, after the rapes and an apparent attempt to murder them, he closed off their noses and mouth with duct tape and left them to die in the woods. Uh, fortunately, the women managed to untie themselves and raise the alarm. They described Hart as being incoherent during the rape and that he made strange growling noises. Ooh. So a possible link to the strange noises heard on right. that on that night in 1973 so this is four years before the girl scout murders hart escaped by sawing through the bars to his cell window what yeah jesus so i'm telling you jail's back then what we're not god where does he get a fucking saw and like how long did that take oh my god do you remember the gorilla man just like found something yeah just like found a knife like literally a tool to get out (laughs) like not he didn't have to improvise or anything so, exactly. yeah, uh, he was eventually recaptured and he was known to have committed three burglaries in total. And in each case, the victims were asleep in their houses at the time. Hart eventually admitted to both the rapes of the pregnant women and burglaries, sentenced to a total of 305 years as he had tried to evade the first trial, attempted to kill his rape victims, and committed further crimes whilst on per- parole. Those poor women. Right. <clears throat> so this guy... Not safe, a good guy. Not a good guy. Safe to say he's got some issues. But the fact that Hart escaped Mays Jail and evaded Sheriff Glenn Weaver led many to believe there was a person personal vendetta driving the manhunt. A reporter for the Tulsa Indian News said, uh, Hart pulled the wool over their eyes, meaning the police, for so long and he frustrated them. So when his name popped up, they blamed it on him. Fears grew that Hart was being framed as rumors began that the OSBI were planting evidence to convict him. It was suspected that many in the Cherokee community were helping Hart to evade capture Mm. at the time of the manhunt. Ross Swimmer, principal chief of the Cherokee Nation in 1977, said... These people were acting emotionally, simply trying to help out a fellow Cherokee, which makes sense. So tracker dogs were brought in after the bodies were discovered, but they found no scent trail. So the forest was so dense in parts that it was not uncommon for some of the, I guess they had over like 600 searchers to become lost on on occasion. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, interesting. I don't picture Oklahoma being like wooded. No, I don't either. So that's interesting. I have, I'll have to ask my coworker about it. He's, uh, he's actually from Oklahoma and now lives in Dallas. He sent us pictures. He sent me pictures at some point of a camping trip that he and his family went on. And it looked like in, in Oklahoma, yeah. and it looked pretty heavily wooded, okay. which is in the mountain overlooking camp. Scott OSBI agent, Arthur Linville found a cave with some unusual items. I remember this. Yeah. Red underwear, a picture of two women, and a newspaper were found along with a pair of glasses that belonged to a Camp Scott counselor. So whoever was stealing shit, that's where they were hanging out. A further link to the camp was made when it was discovered that part of the newspaper that had been torn out and matched some found inside the red flashlight at the crime of the scene. That's right. The crime of the scene. The scene (laughs) of the crime. crime. I'm telling you, my brain is not working. The paper had been used to wedge the batteries and restore a loose connection. Right. The picture from the cave was made public and a prison officer recognized the women in it from a part-time job as a wedding photographer. As part of a photography course in prison, Jean Leroy Hart had helped develop the photos. Ah. It also transpired that the cave and Camp Scott were within walking distance of Hart's mother's homes okay so so connection two weeks after the murders a farmer reported that he had seen gene hart on a hillside is it the same yeah farmer? right How, what farmer let's is talk is to this, this the rope, farmer the rope and tape farmer? yeah <laughs> jack shroff on further investigation of this hillside agent harvey pratt found a formation in the area of four fires and cigarette butts hmm. so okay as a Cherokee himself, Pratt recognized the formation, the cedar wood used, and the fact the cigarettes filters were torn off as an indication of a native Indian smoke ritual. The butts tested positive for the same O-type blood as Hart. It was also leaked to the press that sperm was found in the semen evidence, but Hart was known to have had a vasectomy. A blueprint was also found that matched the size of the blood print in tent eight. But Jean Leroy Hart had size 11 feet. It was nine and a half boot print that they found in the tent. And he had size 11. Another cave was found around a mile from the camp on the land of Jack Schroff. Yep. The rope and tape farmer. (laughs) A prisoner told police about its existence, claiming he had met Hart there after the murders. This prisoner was 16 years old at the time and would later be convicted of killing his own three-year-old son. Good fucking God. Yeah. So he's clearly a reliable witness. Right. 
It does not appear that the OSBI pursued this informant as a suspect in the Girl Scout murders. I would think you would. Yeah, at least to get some information. Well, if he's out of prison and he knows of a cave that's within a mile of the Girl Scout camp and he killed his own three-year-old son, yeah, I would pursue that further, but they didn't. A message was written on the cave wall. The unusual date format is said to be used by both the military and the prison system. Due to the size of Camp Scott, it was hard for law enforcement to secure it while they searched for evidence. Like I mentioned before, in the weeks after the murders, a security company was employed to guard the camp, which had now been vacated. According to these security guards, there's evidence that someone was still stalking the camp, leaving footprints in fresh sand and leaving doors open that had been previously shut. Oh God, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. This person is obviously... Obviously light on their feet or the security company sucks. Yeah. They're just sneaking around. Yeah. Yuck. Just like they did that night. Yeah. Yes. Uh, They also spoke of seeing silhouettes in the dense woodland on multiple occasions. And sometimes dogs were were used to try and track whoever was out there. Uh, One time a dog returned to the tracker and had seemed to have been struck. So this douchebag hit a dog. Oh, puppy. Uh, Yeah. The guards uh, began leaving threads tied between trees to see which pass the intruder was using and they would find them broken on further investigation. Really? Is that the most intricate security system you can think of to use? Like, right. Like, especially at this time, there are cameras. Like it's like the seventies, there's cameras. You could figure something out. Yeah. Or like, how about, how about you put a bunch of cans on a string and tie it between trees and then you can hear it. So you can run for it. Right. And see if they're, no, just, just like, like pulling pulling their hair out yeah, and putting it over the doorknob. Yeah. Lots of loose-ended leads in this. After 10 months on the manhunt, Agent Larry Bowles, again, had been working with an informant in the Cherokee community and discovered that Hart was hiding out with a friend called Sam Pigeon 50 miles east of Camp Scott. Oh. Uh, Pigeon was convinced of Hart's innocence and let him live in his, his shack for the previous eight months. So he'd been harboring him. <sighs> On April 6, 1978, so almost a full year later, uh, OSBI officers surrounded the shack and arrested Hart. Bull stated that as he cuffed Hart, he asked, you killed those little girls, didn't you? And Hart's reply was, apparently, uh, you'll never pin it on me. So Hart was tried in March 1979, and he was represented by Larry Oliver from Tulsa, Oklahoma. His supporters defended him so aggressively that the victim's families needed police escorts in the courthouse to keep them from harm. The defense carefully dismantled the prosecution's case. So the they said the bloody footprint in the tent was too small to yep. be Hart's. The fingerprint on the flashlight was not a match. Okay. Which the flashlight, remember, had pieces of newspaper inside of it to keep the batteries in place that was the same newspaper, like literally had been torn from the same newspaper that they found in this cave. Sure. Um, It was not a match. The swabs taken from the girls were not conclusive. It was later claimed the hair was hearts, but this could not be proved. They claimed evidence being planted to frame Hart partially motivated by racial factors. Yeah. And I'm sure the sheriff, because Hart escaped from the jail on yeah. his watch, was probably like, you know, like they said, had some kind of vendetta. Does that mean he didn't do it? No. Right. Does it mean he did do it? I don't think this is enough evidence. Sure. Uh, after Neither he- did the jury. Yeah. <laughs> after hearing the evidence, the jury only took six hours to deliberate. They found Hart not guilty of the murders. Although the local sheriff pronounced himself 1000% certain that Hart was guilty. Um, The jury acquitted him clearly believing he had been framed for the murders because of his Cherokee roots as a convicted rapist and jail escapee, because he is those two things. He still had 305 years of his 308 year sentence left to serve in the Oklahoma state penitentiary. So that's kind of interesting. You always wonder like what incentive does he have if he did do it? It's like, dude, you're you're going to jail for three or five years. Like, yeah. I don't know what the chance for parole or anything was, but like, oh, there was no chance. I would think. So it's like you had not, you had no reason to not just come out and be like, yeah, I did, I did it. But you know? Ted Bundy didn't didn't confess to any of his murders until he was literally like right before he right was was executed. So yeah. you know, I think part of it is just self importance yeah. and pride. Right. I mean, part of it is definitely like how can I inflict more suffering on these families? 
Yeah. Or the attention is going to stop. And I do think that at their core, a lot of these murderers are narcissists. Sure. And on June 4th, 1979, Hart collapsed and died of a heart attack after about an hour of lifting weights and jogging in the prison uh, exercise yard. I would collapse and die of a heart attack within about 20 minutes. <laughs> so She's like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm heart. He made it an hour. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> Two of the families later sued the Magic Empire Council, which I would too. Yep, I would too. And it's insurer for five million alleging negligence. Yep. I totally agree. And I think like the layout of the camp too was like very it was not conducive to safety. I mean no. like, the counselor's tent was like I think like a hundred yards from the these kids. And it's like that's fucked up. You know and you know what else pisses me off? It's that in April of 1977, two months before these girls were murdered yeah. They had some creeper right, like stealing shit out of tents and like writing creepy notes and right? writing creepy notes. So you can't say like they didn't think that. Yeah, this could happen. yeah, like just it is negligence. Yeah. It's negligence. It's just pa- the civil trial included discussion of the threatening note, like we said, um, mm-hmm. and the fact that that tent eight. Uh, was 86 yards from the counselor's tent. And if you think about it, a football field is 100 yards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in 1985, by a 9-3 to three vote, jurors decided in favor of the Magic Empire. So Wait, so- wait, 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 wait. In favor of the Magic Empire? Yeah. They didn't find that they were negligent? No. Huh. Okay. Also, what a... The Magic Empire. Just the it's- name is like creepy it's kind of sorted when you think about what happened so fast forward to dna testing update from this last may so in an update reported in may 2022 the latest dna testing in the case although officially inconclusive it strongly suggested Hart's involvement in the murders while eliminating several other potential suspects. Sure. Mays County Sheriff Mike Reed said, unless something new comes up, something brought to light we are not aware of, I am convinced where I'm sitting of Hart's guilt and in- involvement in this case. So they did. They're closing the case. Yeah. They're like they're done investigating. Yeah. So Reed said the results of the DNA test have been known since 2019, part of an effort to raise private funds for Mays County residents to have evidence reexamined. He didn't go public with them, however until asked to do so by the victim's families as part of a documentary series about the case. Reed said the latest DNA testing resulted in several partial profiles of the killers. Uh, no full DNA profile was ever developed in the case. Jeez. So officially the testing results were considered inconclusive. Right. But these partial profiles could be used to eliminate suspects and authorities originally questioned over 130 potential suspects uh, in this case. And others were questioned over the years and DNA has been collected. The testing was able to eliminate several of these. Reed said at this point, with the exception of Hart, there's no suspect attached to this case uh, that has not been excluded in one way or another, whether it's DNA, whether it's an alibi or polygraph test, whatever. The latest testing could not eliminate Hart, whose DNA matched the partial profiles and the latest DNA test most likely are the last that will be done in the case because they've just used up all their evidence. Right. It sounds like they got the right guy. Yeah. Even if the evidence was kind of like, he was kind of pigeonholed versus like an actual. Uh, Back then, I have to say, I think the jury made the right decision. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate for the families, but you can't convict based on that. Evidence. Absolutely. I still will rack my brain and stay up late at night wondering how that footprint you just. Well, you, like you wonder again, because that because evidence footprint and also i mean like they said that the crime scene had been so disturbed like that's true the crime scene like, wasn't think of secured all of like someone footprints that were yeah yeah there. somebody could have done and wouldn't that have even known like and then they get out of the tent or walking around in dirt yeah and it's like that's they, a really good point so that's a really good point i think it could easily be that and he was just very careful and didn't leave yeah. any footprints i just think it's really sad it still is just so so fucking sad i mean and it brought up a lot of, you know, racial tension at the time. Right. And yeah. It always, so. I always do love cases that come back like full circle though. Like, yeah. you know, it took whatever, 40 ish years, but yeah. they, we find out that the right guy was probably ultimately the one that was suspected. And even though he wasn't convicted, yeah. he was still in prison. It was he died 45 in, years. Yeah. Yeah. And he died, not a great death. And he no. like. He suffered, you know, he didn't suffer for these crimes, but he was suffering anyway. So it's like, you know, I can see how families are disappointed because 
they didn't get justice. They didn't get girls. justice. Like no one was ever convicted. It's kind of like these serial killers or like Bundy was yeah. convicted in Florida of, I think it was, her name was Kimberly. Yeah. The little girl. Kimberly Leach. Yeah. Kimberly Leach. Like her, her murder, but he wasn't convicted of every, every no. single one. Yeah. A prosecutor isn't going to bring another case. Right. You know, if the person's already been charged with the, or already been uh, sentenced to the death penalty. And there's it, literally no, the cold hard facts are that it's a waste of money. It is. And while yes, it would bring closure to the family. You're dragging out resources. Right. There's no, and, there's no point. Like he's going to die. So yeah. what's the point in charging him with murders and, in states that they the death penalty doesn't even exist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So at the end of the day, like having him be charged and convicted in Florida is probably for a lot of those people, you know, depending on your stance on the death penalty, it was probably a godsend because he did get the death penalty. Yeah. And he was executed. Whereas I think like Colorado, Colorado, it. that's why they were like, don't, don't bring him back to Colorado. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that's a really good point. That's why it's so nice to have your, uh, your lawyer person, my old nagging. your, your old nagging, my old legal, about 50% mind. of the time yeah. it works <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for doing that one. That yeah. was such a, so fascinating, so sad, so tragic. So uh, this one just really st- just stood out to me. And I just thought, you know, I could yeah. relate so much to the, not oh, in the Christian Chenoweth way. Yeah. Like, right. I could have been, <laughs> been there. I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. But um, yeah, but you know, going to camp, it's like such an innocent little experience. Right. And you know, I, although it couldn't have been that innocent because we were told as a foreboding story on the road trip, the six hour drive to McCall, Idaho, we were told about a girl that she got pregnant. I was going to say, did she get pregnant? She got pregnant. She got knocked up at camp. Yeah, because yeah. the boys camp was across the lake. I know it was it was a freaking between scary stories you tell in the dark and this I am beginning to I am shook I am shook (laughs) I think that my generation was the last generation of innocence you 100% were and then you guys came along and are you afraid of the dark we got goosebumps we got bug (laughs) juice we got all the good stuff god (laughs) like you guys were fucked up. Yeah, and yeah. We still are. So that's good. Uh, well, thank you, Kate. That was a great yeah. episode. We are back now. We'll be back next week. We are back. I'm all better. So we yeah. might start releasing episodes on Friday rather than Thursday. I know it's an extra day, but we'll still be getting, it'll still be weekly. It's just with my new quiet practice, uh, my schedule is a little bit tighter and I just want to make sure that I have enough time to edit and I'm not rushing and staying yeah. up too late to do well it. and you know i know some of us have a hard time adjusting to change yeah. but you know you fucking yeah. deal with it and you <laughs> like get it get on user. board who doesn't like a friday murder story fridays are the days yeah well yeah. thank you guys for listening as always please find us on instagram like us tell your friends follow kate always posts hilarious things and you can get all of our you know fun I'll start doing that again yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and you can find us at premeditated podcast. You can shoot us an email and we did get to see we got a, an email. No, we got an email from somebody all the way in Memphis, Tennessee. What the fuck? Which is actually very funny because I got this email when I was in Chattanooga. So I was in Chattanooga a couple weeks ago for a funeral and I opened up my email and I read this and I'm like, oh, so Ryan Dungy, I hope I'm saying that right. D-U-N-G-Y. We appreciate you. Thanks for shooting us an email. Oh man, he, you don't know him? No, I. So he knows. So he knows a mutual. If we have a mutual friend. Okay, I was so, like total strangers. Yeah. Like- <laughs> oh, it's a mutual friend who I should also shout out Joe Marks, who is truly an MVP and has been such a like loving supporter of this podcast since the get go. So he knows Joe Marks and uh, who is a very sweet dear friend of mine. And so thanks Ryan for the email. Also, he he shouted out Bucky's, which I another funny thing. As I was reading this email, I was like passing a billboard for Bucky's. I have never been to Bucky's. My son has a Bucky's T-shirt. He's obsessed with it. One of these days, I'm gonna make it to Bucky's because I hear it is wait Bucky the Beaver knees. It's he's a beat. Yeah, Bucky Beaver. It's like Bucky Bucky Beaver truck stop. Yes, I love. I've been to a Bucky's. Yeah. And they sell like roasted pralines and stuff. I know they sell paper cones. I know. I've heard that there's these things called my one of my 
coworkers told me she's in Texas said that they have these things called beaver nuggets, yeah. which I think are like caramel popcorn. Yeah. Which is the best. I got it. Ever. I got it when I was in Alabama, bam. This Ryan. Ryan guy. So thank you. You literally, it made my day. So thank you for the email. He's Wait. in Tennessee. Yeah, he's in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis has not had a good time no, of, of. I don't even want to like go. I mean, yeah. I will probably talk about Eliza Fletcher. Yeah. She's I, a runner. I will probably talk about that case that affected me personally because I am a runner. And so, yeah, like I really, really fucking hate that a woman going out on an early run which as you know is my fucking jam yep and she is kidnapped and murdered because she's fucking running and taking care of her body and her mental health and her physical well you know what that that asshole was doing yeah that monster was like trolling near college campuses yeah being a fucking at 4 30 in the morning looking for drunk girls yeah so lastly i also want to shout out somebody who i don't even know but i do this thing with my like kind of running fitness community uh of like a secret sister every year oh and so a couple weeks ago i texted you to be like hey did you did you go oh yeah a scratch off like a scratch off map of- yeah because, you know, on this podcast, we have talked about the map that we have. And, and I do like, have stuff anonymously delivered to your house. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I've done that so, before, like chickens so like, monthly. Yeah, I checked yeah. with everyone I, I could think of. I'm like, did you, did you, like anyone I could think of that, that likes the podcast or like family members? Because Kate shits on my beautiful <laughs> It's her job. So I was like, who? And then I, it didn't come with any note or anything. So I'm like, who the fuck sent this map? Like it sort of started creeping me out a little bit. And then I got a note from like the administrator of the secret sister group was like, Hey, like, just so you know, one of your gifts got there today. She sent me a scratch off map. It's right here. I have, we have Oh, that's amazing. And it's like, it's like, you know, like a scratch, like a scratch. Yeah. So you scratch off each of the States. Seriously. That was so, so fucking thoughtful. And I, we're going to scratch through the whole thing in one night. Yeah, Just, we'll just, just like, trying uh, to find fucking Kansas. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> these? No, no, no. no. Isn't Oklahoma by the ocean? <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure it has a coastline. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so seriously, I don't know who you are. I will find out at the end of the year, but thank you. That was like so thoughtful and amazing. So yeah. Awesome. And for a brief second, it got me a lot of yeah. cred. Yeah. Yeah. And my cousin and my uncle. Yeah. And like, literally everyone I could think of, I'm like, oh, I bet it was my uncle Chris. And he's like, no. And I'm like, Dude, ah, your uncle is amazing. You know, our, my, my uncle loves the show. He sends emails like pretty much weekly, which I so love. Like, oh, it's amazing. kind of a way to keep in contact with him. So I, the, all this to say, please, like, we love getting emails. We love getting fan mail. We love getting messages on our Instagram. It makes our day. And we just like to know that it does. We're having fun and you guys are enjoying uh, what we're doing as well. So you can shoot us an email at the premeditated podcast at gmail.com. And as always, tell your folks we says hi. Do, 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 do.